To so many people, you know, lifelong uh, Cubs fans, it's our happy place. It doesn't feel like a year without going to Wrigley Field, and you guys are amazing at what you do. And that's the thing, is that the Wrigley employees are always so helpful. They go beyond. When you see the same faces, year after year after year in the same sections, it makes you feel, it all feels like family that you're going to a place like it's a little family reunion. Every family member and friend who comes to that I take to a Cubs game or I take on a Wrigley Field tour because there's nothing better to do than be in Chicago and you all made that possible. Like I said, these are not just employees in my opinion, they're like family. I've brought people from all over the world, all over the country, people that don't like baseball, they love Wrigley Field. And we have you guys to thank for that. Welcome to Mistaken Identity Beyond the Ballpark, now part of the Unconfined Network. We explore the fascinating personal lives of the people inside Chicago's most iconic sports venue, Wrigley Field. Our podcast will take you on an amazing journey, introducing you to some incredible people that we've met along the way. We'll discuss hot topics, play a few games, and just try to have an overall good time. There'll be plenty of surprises along the way, so stick with us to see where our journey heads next. But for now, kick back, relax, and enjoy the latest episode of Mistaken Identity Beyond the Ballpark. So, hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Mistaken Identity Beyond uh, the Ballpark. And uh, I've been trying to get this person for a long time. I'm glad I got him here. He's with me today. Al, how's it going, Al? Going well. Going well. A um, little sad of the events that have gone on over the past couple of days. And, you know, that's, that's really kind of bums you out a little bit. Yes. Uh, you know, I, uh, I posted on my page... <laughs> I don't know why I did this because I got the most comments ever. Um, but I just posted on my page that I hope that the um, people that are pro-life, to me, pro-life means you're for all life. But I said, hope the people that are pro-life are going to help us put an end to this. Um, and my God, some people thought that, that was just, you know, how do you uh, say that? And I'm just, to me, life is life. So um, Life is life. Yes. <laughs> um, but what do you mean? What do you think? I kind of hope that this will be the straw that breaks the camel's back. I sort of feel like um, with all the abortion things in the news and everybody talking about life and when does it begin, I'm hoping that this is the shooting that changes things. What, what do you think? You know, I'm, I'm hoping the same thing. And I think watching Steve Kerr uh, the other night, you know, really get upset about it. Um, I would hope that the politicians and, you know, I don't care which party it is. It's got to be something where they all come together and, you know, enough of this infighting and, you know, do it my way. uh, And I don't care about your way. There's no reason that a 18 year old has to be able to buy an assault weapon, you know, an assault rifle. It just doesn't make any sense. And I, I really hope that, you know, it it is the straw that broke the camel's back, you know, that we can finally, because 
it's not going to stop. It's obvious, you know, unless something is done about it. Yeah, I, I keep hearing that. Uh, so Jordan is a part of this. Um, he, he, he did this nationwide search and they're on this, this program to bring um, five people from around the country together, uh, Democrats, Republicans, independents, whatever. And um, he was having his debate. And one of the ladies who's Republican said that uh, we need to have our guns to uh, in case the government, uh, you know, turns on us and, you know, they need to, we need to defend ourselves. And I am, a, as you know, I'm an investor in, Lock, in Lockheed Martin, which makes mm-hmm. all of our missiles and tanks and whatever. So every once in a while, I hear the earnings call and I want to assure people, no gun from anybody in a house is going to stop some of the stuff that the military <laughs> has. I just, that, that argument doesn't sit with me. It just doesn't sit with me that we need guns in case our government turns on us. We have the strongest True. military in the world. True. What is your gun going to do? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I was going around that I, I was either going to share that and, you know, I I'm backed off on it just because I don't want to hear the rhetoric from either side, you know, it was like, yeah, yeah, good for you. And, or, you know, what are you thinking of? You know, mm-hmm. uh, the one that's gone around, though, that I think is really important is the one where it says, when are we going to start caring more about our kids than we care about guns? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I think that's really important. You know, nine and 10 year olds getting getting massacred. It, it's just pathetic. Yeah, and it really because it's preventable too, so uh, you know it doesn't have to happen. Um, yeah. But anybody listening to this because they want they want me to uh, introduce Al to them in a way that they are not used to outside of the ballpark. So <laughs> let's start with um, where you grew up, uh, whether it's Chicago, uh, you know where you grew up, what was it like, um, you know what were you like as a kid? Tell me all about that. Well, grew up in Chicago. Uh, actually, probably I think it's around ten miles west of uh, of Wrigley Field, just off of Addison Street, uh, around Addison and Narragansett, Addison and Oak Park. Um, it's about sixty six hundred west and a block and a half south of Addison. So I grew up there, lived there for a long time, and until uh, I went off to college, I. Uh, Went to high school at a, or went to grammar school at a K through eight, um, Messiah Lutheran. Uh, Lutheran. Um, went to Lutheran North High School, which is also Gene Sims' alma mater. Um, we also had a, a teacher I can't, or, that was working at the ballpark. I can't remember her name now. Um, and uh, so it, you know, I've grown up there. I went to. Wright Junior College for a while uh, while I was trying to make up my mind what I wanted to do in life. Uh, then I went out to College of DuPage in Glen Ellen. Uh, wasn't the best student in the world. So I uh, from there, I, I did go down to Southern Illinois in Carbondale, um, probably around the time that it was at the height of being the party school. Okay, I'm going to ask you that. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, when I went down there, I started in um, spring, the spring quarter, because they were on a quarter system. And uh, it also happened to be, I think that was 1970. It was the spring that the Cambodian invasion happened and the Kent State riots and stuff. Um, 
I was anti-war, even though I had cousins that were in the Vietnam War. Um, I just didn't agree with the policies. Uh, we happened to have um, a thing called AID, aid uh, office down there, and I think it had something to do with Asia. I don't remember at this point in time. That was many years ago. <laughs> but uh, there was a lot of rioting and stuff, and uh, they ended up closing the school because I think if they didn't, uh, half the school would have burned down. So it was kind of a unique experience to grow up. I probably would never do it that way again because I've grown older and wiser, I think. <laughs> Some people may not just may agree with that. But <laughs> so, you know, and I, I graduated and, uh, uh, with uh, uh, an associate's degree in uh, uh, electronic data processing, they called it at that time, basically as a computer programmer. Okay, okay. Now, I went to a Catholic school for most of my life. You went to a Lutheran school. I know we have to do mass every Wednesday. I'm just curious, what was it like going to a Lutheran school? Uh, um, grammar school-wise, we didn't always have anything every week, but uh, studied a lot of religion. You know, it was part of the curriculum. Um, in high school at Lutheran North, we had uh, chapel once a week, usually on a Wednesday. You know, so your school day was shortened, and you'd, you'd go and meet in the gym and we'd have a church basically a church service um i spent time in choir for a couple of years uh i did have a good voice and i think i do yet <laughs> but uh yeah it was a little and we always had a religion class you know it was not a very long about a half an hour maybe 40 minutes uh as opposed to the 55 minute classes so yeah it's similar to the catholic schools but not as intense I guess you would say. Uh, there was one nun in my school, and it was Sister Joanna, who I feared, and probably to this day, I'm grown. I still fear her from <laughs> 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 my Catholic school. Like back then, uh, nuns were tough. Like back back then, you know, you can you can be tough with kids yeah. back then. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know. I did. Yeah, was, I heard from a, a lot of because a lot of my kids, the guys that I hung around with, and the kids you know, went to Catholic school in the neighborhood. And, you know, it was good mix, you know, Lutheran school, Catholic school, public school. And we all got along, you know, which was nice. But uh, we all definitely had different kinds of educational whatever, you know. I always heard the nuns were tough. Yes. And it's funny, though, when, when I think about school back then, all the nuns were white, all the priests were white, most of my teachers were white. But I don't really feel, I, I, I didn't feel any type of, I, the issues that we have now with race, dividing the country and whatever, I didn't feel that at all when I was in campus school back then. I didn't feel it. Yeah. I, didn't feel the, I didn't feel it. Yeah, I, I think, you know, you're right. I, I don't think we paid attention to it as much. You know, maybe our parents might have, but uh, us as kids, I, I don't think so. You know, I had... Um, they had some, we had probably, uh, I would say somewhere between 15 and 20 um, African-American kids that went to school. Some of them were kind of recruited for basketball, which that was, you know, the thing. But I had a, a really good friend and his sister that were there and uh, had him come over to my house and stuff. We went down to the field down the street and 
played ball. I'm sure that the neighbors were looking out the window, but, you know, didn't really care. He was a good friend of mine, and, you know, my mom and dad, you know, were happy to meet him and stuff. So, yeah, it, it, uh, you know, I wish we could go back sometimes to the way life used to be. It's a little slower, a little simpler. Yeah, I don't remember ever knowing who was Republican or Democrat like I do now. Like now you have to pick a side. I don't remember that. I don't remember that growing up. I just don't remember caring. Like, you can be Republican, I wouldn't even know. <laughs> right, right, right. And, you know, and I don't consider myself either. I'm an independent. Yeah, me too, yeah. I vote for somebody that I think is the best to serve, whether it doesn't matter what party they are. Yeah. Uh, now, tell me the question of the day. How did you find out about the Cubs job? And what was your journey to the supervisor? Well, um, going way back, my mom worked there for 20 years as an usher. Um, used to be at IL-19, and the, where the old IL-19 used to be, not around the curve now. Yeah. <laughs> um, so she had been working there, and my brother had worked there for a while prior to me, uh, along with her. Uh, I think he only was there for maybe six or seven years. But that happened to be how I got to meet Floyd, our wonderful Mr. Floyd, because he worked with my brother in the bleachers, and that was back in the day when um, <clears throat> they um, didn't put up with stuff quite as yeah. softly as we do nowadays, yeah. to put it lightly. But uh, the um, year that the Cubs made the playoffs in 98, uh, the Kerry Wood years, yeah. um, they were looking for extra help um, for the playoff. And uh, my mom uh, asked if, you know, said I should go ahead and apply it. So I did and uh, didn't hear anything. Well, it turned out, I think they uh, used an outside uh, company, which might have been S3 back at that time already. I'm not sure. I don't remember when Mary Beth started that. But um, so didn't hear from them, then got a call, um, I think, in February to see if I was still interested. And I said, yeah, sure, you know. I was working at Discover Card um, as a programmer analyst and uh, thought it would be a nice part-time job. You know, I can make it there reasonably on time and um, got the job uh, or went, for, went in for the interview. And it just so happened my dad had passed away right around that time when I had sat on the interview. And they said, well, you don't have to come in or do that. And I said, no, I'll come, you know, not a problem. And um, that's when they kind of had us all in a circle, like about eight or nine or 10 people. Uh, and Mike Hill, Julius, and Russell were in there to ask questions and they'd go around. And of course they start out by, you know, recognizing me, knowing who I was because my mom worked there, passing on condolences and all these people that are sitting around in the circle looking at me like, huh, this guy's got the job already. <laughs> And, you know, they said something about that. I go, you know, I'm here because I have to earn the job on my own. You know, it doesn't matter if anybody else worked here from my family. So, and I think that impressed them a little bit. They asked me one question about why do I think I could handle the job? And I told them uh, I'm a high school basketball referee and I have to deal with kids on a, on a daily basis sometimes. And I think that prepped me for being a security person. So. And so I was security, you know, crowd control is what they called it back then um, for probably 
four, five years maybe. And then um, the incident with the Dodgers happened where uh, the player went into the stands. Yeah. And they decided at that point that um, they needed a guard, a security person at each uh, bullpen when the bullpens were on the side of the, of the field. So um, I remember coming in, I think it was on a Saturday or a Sunday, and Jimmy DeJohn handed me, told me to go get a radio, and I'm going to be there. And he goes, you don't have to talk on it. Just listen to everything, and you'll pick up what you have to do. So from that point on, for probably almost six years, I was 22 CB, uh, 22 Cups bullpen. And so hung out around aisle six for most of the time. Uh, would be down at the wall, uh, just making sure nobody was bothering the pitchers and stuff like that. Struck up some relationships with the pitchers down there, as well as a lot of the season ticket holders that sat in that area. And um, then it came where they got rid of a bunch of supervisors due to some unsavory circumstances, I guess. And um, they were looking to hire, I think, uh, about seven of them. And um, I hemmed and hawed because I really liked my job down by the bullpen. Yeah. <laughs> kind of hard to give that up. Um, <laughs> I talked to uh, one of our supervisors, uh, Patty Lagatuda, and uh, she told me, well, if you don't go for it, then don't complain about who gets it. Yes. Okay. (laughs) So I did go ahead and apply. And it was, you know, I haven't been through the process or seen or, you know, what the process is now, but it was pretty tough back then. You had to take a few tests. and uh, write some essays and stuff like that. Uh, some some of the questions were essays, and um, got it all done. Sent the little room where the ticket booth is now in, inside, but it was awful cold, and I was freezing my butt off. And um, got through with that, waited, and then I finally got a phone call from Julius, and uh, he said, "Well." I hate to tell you, but you're the last one I'm calling. And he goes, so you got the job. In the typical Julius, I'm going to string you along fashion. So, and that's been probably about 12 years ago. I'm getting, well, yeah, probably 12 years ago, somewhere around there. Um, and here I am. I, uh, I ran into Julius and Mariano, which I love. And um, he asked he's going to let me interview him. So I want to do Julius as well. I saw him at the, uh, at the grocery store. So um, between, I have to interview, uh, in, a, in a one stretch, I have to interview Floyd, Jonas, and Julius. That should be a very interesting stretch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> like, like the crew there. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, now, tell me where you were and what you were doing when the Cubs won the World Series? Um, I was at home um, watching the game on TV, had my uh, refreshments that I was doing, and living and dying was almost every inning. You know, <laughs> yes. uh, it was, I had thought about coming into the city, and then I thought, you know, it's going to be a zoo. And yeah. that, you know, why, <laughs> why subject myself to that? But I was home, and uh, uh, I remember when he hit the home run to take the lead, Cleveland. Um, 
and my heart just sank. I mean, it was just really tough. To, and then the rain delay came, and I'm like, okay, okay, okay. And when they came out and got the lead back, and that I was, <laughs> it was, I was ecstatic, walking around the pump, fist pumping in the in my apartment and and stuff, and. Um, I could hear other people in the building or, you know, outside that were cheering. Um, and then as soon as that last dog came, I just, uh, I went nuts and I could hear the fireworks outside and everything else. And, uh, it was a joyous, joyous occasion, you know, something that I wish my mom could have been here for, you know, cause definitely was a diehard Cub fan, but, um, I think through me, you know, we got that there and we had enough angels in the outfield to, to help us along. So, and I'd love to see it again, but, you know, I think we're going to have to wait a, a couple of years, you know, so. Hey guys, Joe Flaherty again, and I'm excited to tell you about one of our newest partners, Athletic Greens. Having been involved in the health and fitness space for over a decade, I've heard a lot of great things about their AG1 formula, from the taste to the quality of ingredients and the comprehensive nature of the product itself. So after they reached out to partner with us, I did a little bit more digging and I was blown away by what I found. So you might be asking, what exactly is this stuff anyways? Well, AG1 is a blend of 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to support nearly every system in the body. One serving a day benefits your gut health, nervous system, immune system, energy levels, recovery ability, Pretty much any process your body goes through, AG1 can lend a helping hand. Now I have this stuff in my shopping cart as we speak and I'm most looking forward to a few things. First, I've been taking dozens of different supplements for years now and sometimes 10 different powders and pills from 10 different bottles can get a bit overwhelming. But AG1 offers simplicity. You can easily swap a single scoop of AG1 for a whole shelf of single ingredient products and be no worse for wear. And by the way, you stand to save a whole lot of money switching from a boatload of products to just one. Trust me, because I've been down that path before. Secondly, AG1 is a portable product you can take with you on the go. I'm a huge believer in the benefits of creating good health habits, and the fact that you can take AG1 with you anywhere is an easy way to ensure you're getting the nutritional support you need each day, no matter where you're waking up. And I don't know about you guys, but I always tend to get pretty beat up by traveling, and unfortunately, I often find myself spending most of my vacations nursing a cold. Well, AG1's formula can offer the immune support you need to kick that cold to the curb or even avoid it in the first place and let you really enjoy yourself no matter how long you've been in an airport or an Uber. And the kicker is, all the ingredients in AG1 are highly bioavailable, meaning your body can actually absorb the nutrition you're giving it. And I can't tell you how many times I've run into this issue of poor absorption and how bad you feel realizing that the only thing that expensive supplement you bought did was burn a hole in your wallet. With AG1, you have a nutritional insurance policy based on the latest scientific research, which is big for me, all for less than $3 a day. And if you don't believe me, AG1 has over 7,000 five-star reviews on their site to help point you in the right direction. So it's time to reclaim your health with just one scoop of AG1 a day. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com emerging. Again, that's athleticgreens.com emerging, E-M-E-R-G-I-N-G, to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance.
Hey Wrigley fam, Kat Garcia here. You may remember me from my days working with y'all at the ballpark before I became a full-time baseball writer. Well, I'm here to tell you that now I'm back and I've started a new podcast too. It's called Grab a Drink with Kat Garcia. Since I left to pursue my career in sports journalism, I've met so many incredible journalists and media members, even some outside of the scope of sports. And all of these folks are people whose work you already read or may be familiar with. And one of my favorite things about working in this industry has been hearing all of the great advice, lessons learned, and the sometimes downright hilarious stories that have been swapped over drinks with all sorts of incredible journalists and people. And oftentimes, I wish that our audiences were around for these truly authentic, fun, and sometimes candidly booze-infused conversations. So I decided I'm bringing them to you in podcast form. Join me for Grab a Drink with Kat Garcia, where I sit down with some of your favorite people in sports and journalism, like Lawrence Holmes, Scott Merkin, Maddie Lee, and Brett Taylor, just to name a few, to show you what life in sports and journalism is really like. So pour yourself a tall one or grab a hot coffee and join us. Grab a Drink with Kat Garcia is available now on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can follow the show on Twitter for updates, info on past episodes, and more at at grabadrink underscore pod. Cheers and happy listening. Club 400 Ballpark Lager is a beer for all nine innings. Take me out to the ball game. This crisp, easy-drinking lager is perfect for a summer day amongst the bricks and ivy. Crafted at Crystal Lake Brewing, this beer is clean and refreshing with minimal bitterness so that you can celebrate a W in style. From Club 400, Cubs fans helping Cub fans, this baseball brew can be found at most places that sell beer in Northwest Illinois or from Crystal Lake Brewing. Beer master Ryan Clooney. Enjoy a beer or six-pack today, and please remember to drink responsibly. Reboots, reunions, reruns. No matter where you turn, everyone is going back to revisit nostalgic TV. Join us on a journey back in the day as we look at your favorite Black 90s sitcoms like Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, A Different World, Living Single, and Moesha. We break down a new sitcom and episode per week, discuss why the show was relevant at the time and still holds up today, discuss its impact, and laugh at how different things were back in the day or how they stay the same. Check out Back in the Day with Tanya and Cheryl now on your favorite podcast app and come on a 90s Black sitcom journey with us. And uh, Supervisor, so you got a, you got a, a different ring than the staff got. True, um, true. What do you think about that moment and where do you keep it at? Um, I, you know, I had hoped that we were going to get a ring and I had heard from people that have, had worked for other teams that, you know, most of the people that were employed got rings. I wasn't sure how big or whatever it was going to be. I definitely knew it wasn't going to be like the players' rings because that would have been a little ridiculous too, I guess. But um, I happened to be also be in to do something uh, at the at the park and was walking back to my car when the offices were in the old, old um, building over there on whatever street that is. Um, and Theo was standing outside with a box and I was walking by and I said, 
hi, what you doing? And he had the box open, and I saw rings in there. I go, oh, are those the rings? And he goes, well, these are the samples. And uh, so he showed them to me, and he said, oh, wow. which one, what do you like in here? And I don't remember which one I pointed at. I said, you know, they're all pretty good. Yeah. And um, he said, yeah, it's going to be a tough decision. And then, you know, I said, well, that's your choice, not mine. <laughs> and I, I went down to my car, kept going. But it was kind of a cool moment that I at least got to see something a yeah. little bit early. But uh, I I thought it was great. You know, um, I thought the, the supervisor rings were a nice little step above and a, and a little bit below kind of where they you know, were. Um, you know, people go, well, they're not real diamonds. I said, yeah, there's zirconium. And I think there is actually one real diamond on the side in there. Yeah. Um, and I know a lot of my friends and acquaintances were just ecstatic that I got a ring, you know? Yeah. Uh, and so a lot of people taking pictures with it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and I thought it was nice. I, I just thought it was a great thing for everybody that was involved, you know? Now you brought up, uh, Mary Beth, uh, girl lock who, uh, is now over S3, who's at really Field uh with us uh now have you worked with her before now, obviously i'm at the bear stadium with her um and uh, i knew her back when uh, uh she was at wrigley but have you worked with mary beth um i have at concerts when she just you know when s3 has been been there and um more the interaction not exactly just for her but um i always found that she was um really a good person, you know, um, easy to work with, but firm, you know, she doesn't take any crap from her, her people. Yeah. Um, I think my brother worked with her back, uh, when, uh, when he was working there, but I've, I've interacted with her. I, I had hoped to be able to work at, at, uh, soldier field, but I did explain to her that I had surgery and didn't want to put her in a, awkward position, you know, by having me work two or three games and then be gone. So, and she understood. And, you know, I've always found her to be real, real friendly, um, funny, um, you know, but still serious enough to get the job done. And, you know, and I gotta, I gotta give a shout out to S3 uh, because, uh, you know, they're at the ballpark with us now. And um, I have yet to have a problem with, like, you, you can tell, like Mary Beth is so hands-on, just so, it reminds me of the old Wrigley Field, the Mike Hill days. Everybody is sort of, they're dressed, they do their job, um, they, they don't disappear. So I, I got to give uh, very much a shout out with S3 because I don't care what you say. Uh, I work with a lot of companies <laughs> and the S3 staff is pretty good. Yeah, I've been, I've been really impressed with them. Um, it's quite, it, it's a step up from Andy Frayne. Andy Frayne had a few people that we'd get um, that were were good and easy to work with, and whereas it it appears with um, S three that uh, um, they choose wisely as to who they hire, you know, and they they want to keep a good reputation. So I've been really impressed with them too. You know, they show up on time, which is nice. Um, sometimes they're even at the gates before we get there. <laughs> And, uh, you know, that's, I think that's helped out where, since we are low on staff, um, to fill in where we can put our people in places that we really need them. 
Yeah, so I definitely want to give a shout out to uh, S3. Uh, so last summer, I had this crazy idea to have all of you all go down to Club 400. I'm actually on my way there now to spend the night because they're having a Marcus Stroman event. Uh, and I want to uh, uh, chat with them uh, for a bit. But uh, tell me what your thoughts of your first visit to Club 400 in Lake in the Hills. Uh, <laughs> and then we'll discuss the party. But just the house itself. What do you think about that when you were there? I thought it was amazing that somebody could have so much Cub stuff um, and it, how organized it was really, you know, it, uh, there's not just stuff all over the place. It, there's different sections and, and that where he put stuff in that. I didn't really look around upstairs much saying, you know, I think most of the stuff is really downstairs, but um, I, I was impressed by everything, the way it's set up. Um, if you couldn't find any anything that you liked there, uh, cub wise, <laughs> you weren't looking. <laughs> yes, even the bathroom. The bathroom is just the bathroom has more in it than my, most than most people's houses. Do. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm, I'm surprised the toilet paper didn't have cub logo on it. <laughs> yeah, so, so obviously, I'm you know trying to get our supervisor party. Uh, back there again. Uh, although I got, I got a, uh, I think I got a better offer from somebody else for us. But I got to check on. But um, definitely looking forward to coming back there again. So Al, you hit on it a little bit earlier, and you said surgeries. Everybody listening, everybody's like, what? What surgery? What surgery? You said the word surgery. So you want to put everybody's mind to ease. What do you mean by surgery? <laughs> uh, I had hernia surgery, um, and had kind of let it go for way too long. Um, and, uh, finally, as I get more mature, <laughs> I, um, have been trying to take care of my body a little better. Uh, I don't get there completely, but I knew that I had to have this taken care of. And, um, so I went in and, and talked with the doctor and saw a, a surgeon and, you know, he, um, had told me the surgery was going to probably be about an hour or so hour and 15 minutes and in and out, you know, the outpatient surgery. Well, I ended up being about three and a half hours and um, I spent five days in the hospital. And when I met him, checked in with him uh, on my appointment afterwards, he told me it was one of the top five hardest hernia surgeries he'd ever done. Oh, wow. So I had kind of let it go. And then they were just trying to push things in all over. And I was all filled with staples. <laughs> But, uh, and uh, I was pretty woozy when I came out. My daughter had the phone and kind of took some video of me acting like I was in some clout. <laughs> but it was pretty funny, you know. But just, you know, it took a while to get going, uh, even afterwards. And then, you know, you kind of be careful because you don't want to strain and maybe rip it open again. So that was what I had done. I've got a couple others that I need to do, both my knees as Anybody that's seen me walk around the ballpark, you know, I, I kind of hobble sometimes. I have good days and bad days. So I really need to have knee replacement, which I'm hoping to maybe get to one of them this fall. So no soldier field again, I guess. But <laughs> Now, a lot of people do not know that you had kids until you just said it right now. So tell us about your, your family. Your, your family. Um, I have uh, two daughters. Um, One's 36 and one's 39. They will be 
40 and 37. I hope I'm getting this right. Am I getting that right? Um, I have a son who's in his uh, mid-40s, about 43, I think. He's actually my stepson, but I raised him since he was three years old. So, and uh, unfortunately, his uh, biological father passed away a few years ago, but he's always considered me to be uh, the main father, you know, but his father and I had a good relationship too, so that was good. I have um, one... Two, three, four, five, five grandchildren, okay. and uh, three great grandchildren. Okay. Uh, grand, a great grandson, and two great granddaughters. Uh, the grandkids are, I have, they're four girls and one boy. <laughs> now you know. And this is something that you probably, I hope you know this already, but you know, sometimes we joke and call you Santa Claus. You know that, right? Yes. I'm curious, do your grandkids, do, do any of them get to, wait a minute, is grandpa Santa Claus? <laughs> yeah, yeah, they they, uh, they used to at one time, you know, especially when I've got uh, the beard and the hair right now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and actually one of my uh, school bus driving buddies that I worked with for a couple of years, uh, would always call me Santa too. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, and when you'd be on the radio on the bus and you'd drive by each other and you'd just ho ho ho. <laughs> so but there could be a surprise coming this Monday. So Okay, okay. All right. Um, um, now tell me because uh, Floyd asked me this and I have to do it without um uh, getting fired, but what keeps you coming back every year? Uh, what keeps me coming back? As you can say, um, as you can say publicly. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. <laughs> um, I think probably it's a close tie between the ballpark, Wrigley uh, Field, and and the Cubs, and ninety percent of the people I work with. You know. I, I realize that that leaves 10% out there that um, sometimes you just, in life, you don't get along with some people, you know. Uh, I try to be, I, I feel like I'm a people person and that I try hard to get along with everybody. Some people may not like the way I do things, but that's life. Um, but I, I really, and, and the fans, you know, I've, I've built relationships with people. Um, that are season ticket holders or come quite often and uh, people that are friends of mine that come. Um, and it's just, you know, to the ones that are friends of mine, they think I'm, I'm working in heaven, you know, that having a job for the Cubs is just a great thing, you know, and, and it is, you know, I don't think I like working on the South side. <laughs> Uh, and I've, I've heard stories from people. I know some of our people work both places, um, but I've heard stories from people that they're not as friendly as far as how things are handled. Um, I think we do a better job of, uh, trying to make, um, make life good and, uh, the job, um, uh, what's a good word to put, 
um, enjoyable. Uh, um, we still try hard to maintain the seriousness that the job entails. And I don't know that some people grasp that. And I think that's hard when you're doing interviews. You try to stress to people that you're not there. You're not going to be hired to come and watch a baseball game. You're coming to do a job. Yes, you may have the opportunity in whatever position you're put in to be able to watch the game. But first and foremost, you're there to do a job. And so those are the, the things that keep me <coughs> coming back. Obviously, wanting to uh, experience a World Series was yeah. one of them also. And one thing I'd love to see now is uh, an all-star game, an all-star weekend. And, you know, there's a lot of rumors out there about that, but nothing concrete at this point. So, I, uh, I wish all of the staff of today and yesterday uh, could have experienced um, Mike Hill. Um, yes. I feel, and this is no knock on uh, uh, anybody there now, but uh, I have never, in all my jobs, I have never, and, and it's funny because um, I took him for granted when he was here and I was at Wrigley and you, know, I was, you were scared of him most of the time. <laughs> um, but now, my God, I feel like I, feel like I um, have so much respect for him now that I wish everybody could experience working for Mike Hill, running Wrigley Field. Uh, it's just an experience. Like it's just an experience that uh, people won't get, and I wish yeah, yeah. everybody could. The man was yeah. just had everything. Eyes dotted. I knew what was going on. I wasn't. I mean, it was just amazing. Yeah, he used to scare the hell out of me. You know, at first. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, but you know, he in underneath that tough cover was a little teddy bear in there too, just like Julius, you know, but I, you know, I had to go in there a couple of times to tell Mike that I made a mistake about something and, you know, I knock on his door and I come in and close the door for a minute and then, okay, what would you do? You know, and I explained to him and he goes, did you learn anything from it? I said, yeah, and I'm sure I won't make that mistake again. And he goes, then good, you know, I'm not here to crucify you, you know, but you got to learn from your mistakes. And, you know, his, when his wife would come up, I'd always have to be the one to call him, it seems like, because I was always at gate K. Yeah. And uh, she'd walk up and I'd go, Mrs. Nine. <laughs> yeah. You know, because he was nine. And right. and uh, we had a joke going about that. So I, I do miss him. You know, I miss that, that uh, form of... Um, employment i guess you know i think that's, that's a good way to say it that's a good way to say it just like you yeah. i wish that others would have been able to experience that especially the ones we have nowadays yeah um it, it was it was just a level that it, and it's funny because when i was there i was young so uh i had always i'd always heard about mike hill from daniel Evans and daniel Lexon floyd and all of them uh so when he was around i was it was like the celebrities like oh my god i can't talk to him i kind of look him in the eye you were just you were just in awe of him and how many times are you in awe of your boss like that's yeah. rare you must have yeah. some type of respect for people to be oh my god it's mike hill like you know yeah. you, put, you take your shirt in you fix your tie you know you just <laughs> have that level of respect for somebody that is nowhere near today but back then it was just like you just respected mike hill whatever he said you did <laughs> yeah well people forget back then too um uh we Supervisors, especially, had to wear ties. You yes, know? <laughs> yeah. and uh, that <laughs> that was fun. Yeah. 
especially on a 90 degree day. <laughs> now, were you there when supervisors had ties and handcuffs? Yeah. Well, some of us had handcuffs and others didn't. If we needed handcuffs, we'd they'd give us zip ties to use. Yeah. So. Yes. I remember those days. I remember seeing people come down in the tunnel. Um, they might have got roughed up a little bit on the walls, but they got, they got the handcuffs <laughs> on. <laughs> I remember yeah. those days. Yeah. You know, and, you know, I, I've been able to work in uh, working there with other things, you know, uh, up until not too long ago. Um, and I'm probably going to hopefully go back to it. I drove a school bus for a few years. Um, loved it because I love I love kids. Um, and I guess that's one of the reasons I like working with the kids at the at the ballpark. I seem to have a good rapport with them most of the time. I've been a, as a lot of people don't know, um, I've been a, I'm a school board member again for the <laughs> 18th time. I've done, this is my, I'm, I'm starting my 34th year as a school board member. Oh, wow. Okay. Spent 16 years in a elementary district uh, up here in Monoline Diamond Lake District. Then spent 16 years on the high school board. And then it was done until I got a phone call from the superintendent and we don't have enough people running. Can you run? Plus a few other reasons that he had. And I said, okay, I will do it one more time. And it's a four year term and then I'm going to be done. So, and you know, I enjoy doing a lot of things. I've been a high school basketball referee for, I'm not doing that anymore, but I uh, did that for almost 25 years. Um, Stan Mitchell, uh, I know him and I crossed paths along the way. I may have worked a couple games with him somewhere, but uh, I know that we have met in between. For people that don't know, Stan's the one that does the elevator for the clubs and or for the yeah for the suites and the Catalina Club. And um, but working at the ballpark is my main thing right now. Okay. All right. Uh, so I completely. Uh, I've lost track of time, way over 30 minutes, but um, uh, I didn't have time to do the contest. But Jason Sherman, Julian Aguirre, you all uh, were winners. Message me. Uh, Al, if you can leave one word of advice to America, people that are listening, the public, uh, what, would, what, would, what would be your one word of advice that you want to leave with the public? Have compassion for one another. Have compassion. Um, we, there's so much hate in the world, uh, not only in our country, but around the world, but we seem to have a lot of hate in our country and compassion and love, you know, um, be tolerant. I know that's more than one word, but it, it, it all kind of goes together. Um, things have to change. We have to get better. You know, we have to learn to live together it doesn't matter what color you are what nationality you are you know we're people we're we're all people and if we can't get along then we're doomed all right so that was al hitsky i am frank walker and thank you all we will catch you all in the next episode of mistaken identity Hey guys, if you're hearing my voice here again, that means we've reached the end of the show. It's that time again for all the thank yous and special messages and disclaimers, you know, all the stuff you really tune in for each week. 
big thank you yet again to all of our supporters who not only continue to tune into our show, but take the time to hit the like button, write reviews, and share our content on social media. It all really helps us grow our audience. Our Patreon page continues to thrive as well as we're working not only on the podcast, but Roku channel and the book club and on and on and on. If you'd like to be a part of that expanding mistaken identity experience, follow the link in our show notes to our Patreon page or go to patreon.com and search mistaken identity podcast for all the ways you can sign up to access this multitude of additional content. Mistaken Identity is also now a part of the Unconfined Network, which is a home to many podcasts whose hosts have met inside the walls of Wrigley Field. To check out the network's other show offerings, head to unconfinednetwork.com, that's all one word, unconfinednetwork.com, to view all of our shows and their catalogs. Shouts out to Frank Walker, Jesse Graham, and Jordan Burks for their continued efforts both in front and behind the scenes to keep Mistaken Identity rolling along every week. And of course, we can't leave without our disclaimer. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely our own, and we do not speak for or on behalf of the Chicago Cubs or any other organization. This is Joe Flaherty for the Mistaken Identity Podcast saying stay safe, and we'll catch you next time beyond the ballpark. Hey, it's Frank from the Mistaken Identity Beyond the Ballpark podcast. Listen, I get so many messages, emails, phone calls about investing because I talk about it so much on this show that I can't respond to them all. But what I've decided to do is do a class on Patreon for all of our supporters in two categories. For those that are 40 and under and those that are 40 and older because investing is different based on your age. I get asked, Frank, what is an NFT that these young folks are talking about? What is cryptocurrency? Or I hear about Frank, is it time to readjust my 401k? What's the best life insurance to get? What about life insurance that has living benefits? Or the big one, I just got a raise at my job, it's 2%, but inflation is 7%. Did I really get a loss? I have also noticed a trend. A lot of parents and our grandparents are starting to understand that the cost of college is skyrocketing. And they know that it is better to invest when your child is younger as opposed to later on. And I've recently been talking about how I have gotten some real estate and some stocks and some other investments into Jordan's name that he is taking care of if something were to ever happen to me. I'll break all of that down, how I did that, how you leave stuff to your children or loved ones in a will and all that good stuff on these investing sessions. Talking about all that and more on our Patreon page every week. Go and get it, patreon.com slash mistaken identity podcast. Let's get investing and generational wealth together.